0: Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. That's
1: where it is. All right, so where we've been, friends, the last six weeks, we have been in this series called Pre-Decide. We're concluding this message today. We're calling it Pre-Decide because we've been walking through talking about the importance of our decisions because we know that the quality of our decisions can determine the quality of our lives. But the problem is that most of us are not good decision makers. I know I'm not. If you let me loose at the gas station before a trip, it's over. I'm not kidding. I'm going to have like a Red Bull or a Bang, maybe both. I'm going to have a little snacky. It's like that, um, the Sweet Tart Ropes. Oh, God, get, then I got to get a salty too, and then my family has to. It's, it's just over. I'm not, I'm not a good decision maker if I've already leaned into that. But that's why. It's because we, we can't wait for the heat of the moment to get into it to decide what we're going to do. So this whole series is working on that. We're seeking the wisdom of God. We're going through the word of God to pre-decide and make certain decisions ahead of time. And so all throughout the series, we've been using kind of this phrase of saying that we're predetermining when we face a certain situation— that when we're faced with that, we're going to respond a certain way. We're going to take a certain course of action. And so it's like this little phrase of when faced with blank this situation, I have predecided to take this action. So this, you can fill in, the, it's a fill in the blank. You can write in anything that you want about your life. When faced with gas station snackies, I have predecided to Purchase said gas station snackies. No, I have to sometimes I have to be like, I have pre decided I'm actually gonna pack a snack and do that. So if Derek and Drez roll in there, that's what we're gonna go, that's what that's how I'm gonna respond. But that's just a funny one. Even this week, let's see, um, we had some situations arise, and it was like, when faced with conflict, I have decided to lean into it and take a breath before I respond poorly. So I pre-decided something before just spouting off and taking that energy and going into it. Did I lean into it? Yes. I'm going to have some questions. Yes. But instead of being unkind and doing anything that would cause harm, nope. Just wanted to lean into it differently. So that is one of the ways, for me, I was walking through pre-deciding. So we've been walking through this series... Six specific decisions that we're making to determine who we are when we're followers of Christ. And so if you've been with us, you know that we start with ready and we've been saying things out loud together. So I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me that I am ready. I am ready. Yes. I am consistent. Yes. I am devoted. I am generous. I am faithful. And I am a finisher. Q. 1980s bad finishing movies. We got it. So we've been walking through this, this series, and I get the pleasure of talking about finishing. But really, when you just want to give up, because I don't have to ask any questions. I know that every person in this room has decided at one point in time they would rather give up than move forward another step in something. And it's like, way to bring that down, Kyle, because that's the truth. What I don't want to do today is bring you anything that is like, you know what, I have this... Perfected motivational TED talk type thing that I want to talk to you about, about why you can be this amazing finisher and everything. Because sometimes we forget about what we have to go through to become that finisher. We forget about what we had to pre decide to get to that point of finishing. Because I'm a firm believer that information without application cannot lead to transformation. So if I just tell you a fun story or maybe something out of a valley that I walk through, you get to walk out and say, Oh, that was kind of nice. Like, she's a fast talker, but she's had some stuff. What else do you get to walk from? My job as a pastor is to help walk with you guys through some things. It's to help give you some information so when you walk out of here, you feel the call on your life to do something with that information that you have so you can be transformed, so you can be the person that God has called you to be. That's where we're sitting at. So that's what we're talking about today. When you want to give up, there's a goal that maybe you've had, a dream or a vision. Maybe you started something and you hit some resistance with it. Maybe that project stalled a little bit, so you've just been discouraged, just wanted to give up. Like, that's it. I quit. Threw your hands up in the air. I'm done. The relationships, when those just start to go south, and you're like, I've tried. I did everything I could to restore that. I have reached out. I have asked the questions. It's just getting worse and worse than it ever was before. Maybe you're fighting for your marriage, that it's just in its absolute pits, and you feel like you're running out of the fight. Maybe you just feel like you're ready to give up. Or you've been in seasons, maybe even years of believing for a miracle. A miracle that looks like something for your child, for your healing, for your finances, maybe your addictions. And maybe you're sitting here like, yeah, Kyle, I've tried all of that. I've been praying. I've been a believer, but I am literally at the worst of the worst of it. I am discouraged and I am losing hope. And I think that's because sometimes when we're walking through stuff, it's, it's easy to determine that. It's easy to start something, but it's going to be hard to finish it, even in our relationships, even those goals, those dreams, those desires that we have. And that's because that idea that, that where it's easy to start and hard to finish, that idea is more important than most of us even understand. There's things that's going to separate people. When they're able to be successful, there's things that separate them. It's not just because they have talent. It's not just because they have intelligence or they have money or anything. I'm sure that those things help. But there is something that I think comes up to the surface for them. And it's perseverance, where they have decided that they are going to persist doing something despite the difficulty. For me, I can look at it like having walking through perseverance is also like, delaying the success of something to achieve it and that one's tough to sit on too because we don't want to delay in achieving success we don't want to delay in feeling comforted we don't want to delay in getting any of the things that make us feel good about ourselves we don't want to delay it and so there's a researcher out there her name's Angela Duckworth she's a psychologist brilliant and she talks about this thing called grit And it's the strength of character that refuses to quit. So when I think of grit, I think of sandpaper and I hate the feeling of it. But I can come to appreciate, it It makes me gag a little bit actually. Um, But sandpaper, and when you apply it to something, how it starts to refine it, smooths it out. And I don't work with tools or anything so I'm just going on a guess here that that's what it does. But, (laughs) but that grit that the sandpaper has when we clench our teeth, we grit them and we decide we're going to walk through something. It's because this, she talks about the strength of the character that refuses to quit. Her research is all done through this, talking about anybody that's been a teacher, someone in the military, kids, spelling bee champions, which I found fascinating because they have to have this certain type of determination. They persevere, regardless of what's going on around them, to walk through it. And I just think that is incredible, thinking about grit and what we need to become a finisher. Because enthusiasm is common, but endurance is rare. You know, when we go to get married, we're so excited. He likes it so much he put a ring on it. I forgot to wear it today, but he liked it so much he put a ring on it. I was so excited to get married. Oh, my gosh, we've had all these fights. We don't agree on the same things. We don't know what families we're going to go see on the holidays. That's where you lose that enthusiasm, right? The endurance is deciding that we're going to pre-decide to step into some things. We're going to have these conversations. We're going to walk through the conflict well. We're going to work harder to be better together. Because enthusiasm is common. Endurance is rare. And so all of that to get to one last factor through this seven-part series that right now we're deciding today, today moving forward, we're pre-deciding. We are finishers. Because when I commit, I don't quit. I am a finisher. Now, can you say that with me? When I commit, I don't quit. I am a finisher. Because you are too legit to quit. Hey, hey. Anybody else read that? That's, that's been in my head all week long of like, but it still checks out because you are. You are too legit to quit because when you commit, you don't quit. You are a finisher. I'm going to say it for me. When I commit, I don't quit. I'm a finisher. So who can we look at in the Bible? You're like, I'm looking who we go to. Many characters you can lean into, guys. Old Testament, New Testament, great. Some key people that you can look at, Esther. You can look at Ruth. Ruth was relentless on getting to where she needed to go to be a finisher. But today we're talking about Paul. Someone talking about strengthening our perseverance, leaning into that grit an all out refusal to quit. But really talking about like his emotional farewell of what was happening cuz he's he's talking to his spiritual son Timothy in 2nd Timothy 4. And for context, like Paul's at the what we call like the end of this this race after he's decided to commit his life to to serving and loving on Jesus and um and talking about Jesus, but he's in prison. So context, Roman Emperor Nero has already sentenced Paul to be beheaded. Yeah, like he's looking at the ultimate finish. Like we were like, oh, we don't want to get up and go to church today. It's cold. So I'm finished. No, this guy is literally at the end of his line right here. He's awaiting his execution. He is in a deep dungeon, like prisons then don't look anything like they do now. Um, in more context, like it's kind of like a sewage drain. It's like what some people describe them as, that they're so disgusting that actually most prisoners would die awaiting their execution or awaiting whatever death was in front of them. They would die based on the conditions of the prison before they actually were executed. So that's just a beautiful painted picture for you of what's happening here. But days before his beheading, we see that Paul writes to Timothy, again, his spiritual son. And it says in 2 Timothy 4, Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. So when we read that, we're like, well, obviously he's finished his race. Like, this dude's about to die. He is facing certain execution. This is what's happening. But I think we can look at that too and decide, like, okay, Paul, this writer, he's finished his race, but guess what? You haven't finished yours. I haven't finished mine. And that's what he's saying. He's leaning into that. And I know we can get discouraged and we want to give up. And I have to remind you that if you're sitting here, if you woke up this morning, you're not dead. Therefore, God's not done with you. I'm not dead. Therefore, God's not done with me. Maybe I'll just be like, Pastor Aaron, like, let me say a little bit louder over here. No, let me. It's the truth. If you're not dead, God's not done with you. We're so easy to sit on something and be like, I don't know. I messed up. I can't do it. That's too hard. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. I can't afford it. I already messed up. God doesn't want me. That's not true. If you woke up this morning, God still has something for you. Why? Because I firmly believe there is more to do. And that's just not creating more work for us. There's more to do. That means more love to give people. More people to help. For me, that's looking at there's more ministries to start because we are people that need people. We have people that need help around here, globally that need help. There are more businesses to launch. For those who are super creative, there's more content to create. There's more hope to share. There's more addictions to break. There's more friendships to make. God's got more for you. God's got go- more for me. Now I'm going to do something I don't really ask, but look at your neighbor and say, God's got more for you. All right, now who's going to tell me? That's a- yes, I did not expect that. That was amazing. I was like, let me test these waters here today. So good. I love it. But we look at that and we're like, oh, God's got more. Okay, great. And then we sit, oh, I'm so tired. I'm so busy. Um. Let's be real. You you may have walked into this morning and said someone said, hi, good morning. How are you? You might have said, I'm tired. It's been so busy. That was a really long week. I'm tired. We may have even done it this morning. And instead of saying like, I'm great. I woke up. I have that. And then we hear something like God's got more for us. And we're like, no way. I'm tired. I'm done. I have so much to do. I am overwhelmed. David Allen wrote a book called Getting Things Done and in that he's It's his book for um, talking about time management and what I like to call turning the chaos into control and clarity into confidence. And so what he shares in that is much of the stress that people feel doesn't come from having too much to do. It comes from not finishing what they've started. And at first I read that because I have like a high key mega to-do list with a little bit with a touch of anxiety happening. And I'm like, well, thanks, friend. That was not kind. But when I shift back to God's got more for me, that's why sometimes I feel this stress because I haven't done some of the things that God has for me or that maybe I've been running from. So I just want you to think about for a moment when you haven't finished something, and I'm not talking about like a season four of a show on Netflix because I know sometimes we can all be bingers. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that you've been thinking about that maybe God's been, like, tugging on you or you've been thinking about or that's just been like, man, I would really love to see that happen or, like, help somebody in that way or do something. That's that part of the puzzle I'm talking about. That's maybe that, that piece that's that you haven't finished. That's sometimes where we feel that stress, that overwhelm that David Allen's talking about right there that we just haven't started. And we can also see, too, that Jesus, he's speaking in Revelation and... Um, In Revelation 3, it reads, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. And at first we're reading that and you're like, man, okay, Jesus. But I can also look at that too and say, wake up and strengthen what remains. It's not about what you did in the past. It's not about who you were yesterday. It's not about anything that you've had 10, 15, 20 years ago, it is from that point you wake up and you decide you're going to strengthen what remains in you because you have something unfinished in the sight of God. So my question for you is, what's your unfinished business? See, I can't answer that for you. I'd love to as much as I would love to plan and spend so many hours this week and staying up until like 1 or 2 o'clock this morning just like re-going over note after note after note. I can't answer that question for you what your unfinished business is. That's something you have to take some time and lean into. You have to figure out. And if you don't know, that's okay. Sometimes it's sitting with someone and just kind of talking it out, having them ask some good open-ended questions. Maybe your unfinished business could look like healing a broken relationship or sharing your faith or giving somewhere of what God already told you to give and you haven't done it yet. Some of you might be like starting a hobby, joining a grow group, which is also a favorite of mine, serving somewhere. Starting a ministry, launching a business, maybe apologizing. For me, that unfinished business for me looked like finishing a degree and walking through that, of really pouring out that heart cry to God of like what I wanted to, what I had for me, what I was desiring for, but also choosing to give it up to God too of like, God, this is unfinished, but here I am. I'm just going to walk it out. I'm going to choose to trust but leaning into that of feeling like it was truly unfinished and sharing that with God first, not just being like, God, I just want to get this done. I want to do it, to really telling God, pouring that out year after year, 13, by the way, and saying, God, I, really, I feel like I have some unfinished business. Will you work with me on this? Can you, can you help me see differently on this? And then in Second Corinthians, we see, here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. And I think that's just like a, a gentle little nudge that you, can, that you can pick up where you've pre-decided in this six-part series. You've been working your steps, and now you've decided you're going to be a finisher. So maybe last year, if there was something that was talking to you, it doesn't matter if it was five, 10, 20 years ago, that you might have some unfinished things that you wanted to do that. Maybe you just kind of waned off that path. You just wandered off of it but now you can finish what you started. And sometimes we'll ask too, like, well, why does it matter if I quit? The only way that I can share that is, every decision you make is voting towards your future. Every decision. When you say yes to something, you're gonna say no to something else. But every decision you make, walking through this series, when you decide to be ready, consistent, generous, faithful, on it goes. When you decide you are making a vote, you are voting for your future. But you can also decide that you want to quit, too. But that vote sometimes looks like saying you don't have what it takes. And I, struggle. I struggled with that thought all week long, thinking, God, I do not want to say that. I do not want to say you don't have what it takes. Don't make me be that person. I don't want to be that person. I struggled with it so much. In my car, I don't have radio or anything because I lost the fuse. Don't know. But I'm okay with that. I reclaim that time. This is where I spent a lot of time praying to God. It's literally saying, God, I don't want to say something that voting like this means you don't have what it takes. Cause I don't want to say anything like that. I don't want to say that somebody's giving up. And God was like, well, are they giving up or are they just giving into some other things that aren't what I've called them to do? And I was just like, well, okay, Lord, <laughs> cause guys, I have this like 2012 Dodge caliber. It's it's silent in there it hasn't worked the music hasn't worked in years I'm totally okay with it but literally struggling with that and then just be like Jesus take the wheel but then also here maybe we're just giving in some other behaviors of like okay I can take a step back because maybe if you are voting for that if you're not finishing out what God had started for you maybe you are voting that you don't have what it takes for it and that's not about terrible behaviors that others are giving to you that's not the toxic behavior that we're talking about it's not any of that we're talking about literally finishing what God had started for you so when we decide to stand, we're going to stand strong. We're going to vote for it. Voting for our future that way. We're going to persevere. Sometimes that means we're going to delay in achieving the success, despite the difficulties of what that means. It means that we're not going to back down. You can ask my husband, Derek. I am least likely to back down on something. I will press pause. I will walk away from it, but most, voted most likely to, to back down for sure. But we're also voting, I'm a finisher. I persevere. And when I commit, I don't quit. And so it's, it's asking yourself in these, in these times when you're walking through it, like, do I quit in the face of adversity or do I overcome? And for me, I can think back of, like, well, when you're talking about running a race that God has for you, like, what better thing to do than to boast about running in a marathon to over 10 years ago? Actually, I kind of forgot about it. And then my dad texted me a few weeks ago, like, hey, you remember what you were doing over 11 years ago? And I'm like, no, what? And he says, your marathon. And I'm like, oh, yeah. That was something I needed some I need some things for. And then it was exciting to talk about because we have a grow group around here that just did a couch to 5K. These people are amazing. They literally just spent all this time uh, meeting, gathering, and doing a couch to 5K. I think that was the program that they followed. And then I think last weekend, going out and doing their 5K. And I was so proud of them because I know what that takes to walk through a program like that, to go from not running to running. I know what that takes. And then to see them come in here beaming about their accomplishment, I am for a program like that, for them doing that. So it also takes me back to thinking about, like, my marathon, thinking about what that's like in my spiritual life, too, because that marathon was something. And we look at that finishing. We're like, oh, man, she finished a marathon. She crossed that finish line. She did all of this. You're right. We did. I did. I started with an enthusiastic crowd, 18,000 people in the Detroit Free Press International Marathon, which I had decided to do. 18,000 people, they're screaming, they're cheering. We're all cheering because we're racing. You got people that are there to cheer people on. It's amazing. You're feeling great. And then you hit about mile 15, 16. It's a little less people around you, a little less people on the sides of the streets cheering you on, anything happening, especially going through Canada. So this was an international race, and I got to run from Detroit, circle my way around and everything, and so that was exciting. But we hit this park, hit this part in the park, and I think it was like, Mile 16 or 17, can't quite remember. What I can tell you is that it became the loneliest place I've ever walked. The loneliest place I've ever run through because my mind got the best of me and I was like, God, I don't think I can do this. I want to give up. My hip was locking up. I was having so many issues just staying in the game, running through it, going through this park. My pace group had gone ahead of me because I had to stop and use the potty along the way, which totally sucks. So now I'm off. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be off my pace. You can see where my head is going. I'm off my, fa- my pace. I'm not gonna be able to finish. My hip hurts. I'm having all these issues. I'm getting chafed in the weirdest areas, like my armpits right here, from running. And I practiced all those miles in the same clothes, and it still was a lie because those seams tore my back up. I had like a six inch raw piece of meat back there just from the seams of my pants tearing me up. And then I also foolishly stuck chapstick in the top of my my training top and ran 26 miles with chapstick right here. And when I tell you I had a chapstick size uh, blister happening, it was amazing and terrible at the same time. But I say that because my spiritual life has looked like this. Like, I start with so much enthusiasm, like, yes, I'm going to do it. We're going to make it all the way through because a marathon is lengthy. It is not like a sprint. And then you start going, and it gets a little bit lonelier. You have less people around you to cheer you on. And then you have to decide, like, what am I going to do with this? So I got to a certain point. I was out in this park, and like I said, it was probably like 16, 17, 18. Honestly, I can't remember because I was so ready to quit. And then somebody just came up. And they're like patting me on the shoulder and they're like, come on, you got to keep going, keep going. And that was remi- them reminding me too that I did not want to get marked, I did not finish because that race will do it to you, actually get disqualified from the race. You will be marked a DNF, did not finish. I did not want that for my life. So that was like, what am I going to do here? Am I going to quit? Am I going to have to tell my parents that I quit? Am I going to have to tell Derek who was photographing the race, because we used to do that for for money on the side? Am I going to have to tell him that I quit? He's not going to be able to photograph me finishing. This is going to be so embarrassing. I'm going to have to go back and tell everybody I did not finish this race. But then that one person coming up, hey, come on, let's keep going. Gave me enough to get back in the game. Keep going. Finish that race. Five hours, 17 minutes, and 47 seconds later, 26.2 miles And that's not to be like, hooray, I did it. Y'all, that's like driving up to Ikea here. (laughs) In fact, it's like 24.2 miles because I did a little Google machine and that's what it told me. And I was like, no way, I did that? That's ridiculous. It is. But that's how it feels in my spiritual life walking through it too, that it's so good. I'm thinking about what's going to be at the end for me. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to have this great finish. And then I don't think about anything that's going to happen during the middle of it. And I want to tie that back into because we get lost in that. We think, oh, I'm just done. It doesn't matter. That's what I thought out there. Lonely place. It doesn't matter. I'll just be done. I'll give up. But when I translate this back into walking out with Jesus, what God called for me to do, what God's called for you to do, we can look at Acts 20 and even thinking about spaces like, however I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace because that's my aim. I just want to finish. That might mean I'm going to have some chafed armpits. That might mean I'm going to have to Vaseline them and keep running the race. That might have to mean that for me, especially doing this to run out what God has called me to do, to complete the task that Jesus has given me. And that's a phrase that I think we miss sometimes too, is that we look at Paul like, oh man, Paul did all this. This is who he was before he knew Jesus. He went to do all this, write So much of the, of the New Testament. And then we forget that Paul finished the race. And Paul still had setbacks and obstacles and opposition, even persecution and pain. But the reason why Paul could finish the race is that Paul just wasn't running for himself. He was running that race for God. That's why he said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Which in that context, it sounds so weird like you don't care about yourself, but it's not. It's about when you say, I consider my life worth nothing because you're running for God. It's like, it's like saying, I consider my net worth worth nothing to me. I consider people's opinions worth nothing to me. That one was still a struggle this morning because I was so weirded out. I was so nervous about sharing this that I was like, what are they going to think? This is going to be so bad. Literally, I was coming up here to preach it and was like, can I do this? What are they going to think about me? Maybe I have to consider that my personal hopes and dreams aren't quite as good as what God has for me. And here's the last one, because I know this gets all of us, that sometimes we have to consider our personal comfort, that it's not worth what God has called us to do and the task that he has for us. And that's because maybe you've decided that you're quitting what God had you start. Maybe that's because you decided that those things were something more valuable than running God's race. And then I know it's like, the question is, how do you finish the race that God called you to run? Like, do I sign up for the 5K now? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. That's not it. In fact, if you heard that, like, great, but that's just not it. How do you finish the race that God called you to run? That's where we go back to earlier. And we say, like, take that time to figure out what it is that God has put on your heart, what God's given you to run that race. How do you finish that race? It sounds so silly, but you literally just take the next step. When we get to know Jesus, we call it like a next step. You're going to walk through like a baptism process or even go on the growth track or anything. God's called you to do something. It's just take the next step. That 14-year gap of not finishing my degree several years ago just came down to me sitting with a couple that I really loved hanging out with and sharing this desire to go back to school and why I wanted to finish and it had always been a dream of mine. And It sounds so silly now because this is what they said. They were like, we'll just take the next step. And I'm like, okay, great. That sounds great. But I took a 14 year gap and they're like, no, just put in the application. And I was like, it's so good. (laughs) Put in the application. They're like, you don't have to start tomorrow. You're just going to take the next step for it. And that rocked my world because I was thinking like, I, I can't, I've already messed up. I took my gap it, that I was supposed like, I was going to have Dresden and go back to school when she started school. I went back to school when she was in like seventh grade. So there's the context of that. So I was already feeling the pain, the shame of talking about that. I couldn't even do it. And they're literally just saying, you just take the next step. Like has, has God, God said it was okay to go. Like you're talking about this. And I'm like, yeah, I think so. Had a conversation with Derek and he's like, yeah, this is the right time. This is this is what you should be doing. And I'm like, okay, I feel confirmation about this. Literally, that's what the next step was. How do, you, how do you finish the race God called you to? Put in the application. You take the next step. And I say that because it's really fun because I'm graduating in December 9th or something. So all these years, 14 years. But that carries shame for me. That's stuff I didn't want to tell anybody because I felt so embarrassed embarrassed that I had it embarrassed that I chose to get married I chose to have a a daughter I chose to stay in ministry with Derek I I chose to do all that instead of finishing my degree in fact it was like I didn't even tell anybody that I I finished my first degree because I carried so much shame with it because I'd already decided like that that was that was bad I shouldn't have done it that's not what God had me do that was that was not what God had planned for me the first time around and that wasn't the right perspective God called me to finish that race. God laid that dream on my heart because I love to learn. I love to stay in that space. And I love to help people because I feel like I'm called to be in a helper profession. I feel like I'm called to do that inside the church and outside of the church as well. And so this is fulfilling that race, staying in it, keeping the grit, the late nights, the the homework, having to say no. Y'all, I cried over the summer when I couldn't go out with friends for a birthday I had to go to Derek, like, I don't think I can do it. And he was like, you probably can't. You have some homework and stuff. He was right. He wasn't being mean about it. He was for me in that moment. But I was like, I want to go. I had to give up my personal comfort because I know getting to the end of that meant that I was going to be able to help somebody outside of it. That wasn't just to hang up my shiny degree on the wall. That literally was so I could say, no, I'm equipped with this. I have this information, how I can help people with it. Simply by putting the application in, which is funny when we look at it. But we can look at the ministry of Jesus, and it's indescribably powerful and emotional to look at how it ended. We can look at every step that he took. And it's easy to be like, yeah, Kyle, because Jesus and did do that. Well, newsflash, just when he started his ministry too, he decided in his hometown he couldn't stay and do ministry, so he decided to go another way. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't stop. So in case you're going to give me that excuse, I'll just yank that one from you as well. You're welcome. It's also biblical. <laughs> but if you look at every step that he took when he started... He just faithfully ran for God. He took step after step. Think about it on the cross, right before Jesus is looking up to heaven, he cries out to his Father, It's finished. He commits his spirit to God, breathes his last breath. It is finished. We know that Jesus did everything that God sent him to do. Jesus finished the race. But how did he do it? He wasn't running for himself. He was running for his father day by day, week after week, month after month, year after year, in a short years, short few years of ministry. And even that, there was still pain along the way, because think about his walk to the cross. Incredibly painful. And when they hated him, the people, when they hated him, he just took the next step and loved them back. He turned the other cheek, and when he was carried up the cross on the hill and he fell to the ground, you know what he did? He got back up. He didn't just stand there, and he didn't just say, like, you know what, God, this is going to be too hard. I don't think I can do it. Literally, moment after moment, decided to stick it out, finish, and go up to the cross. And even hanging on the cross, they still looked at him, and they mocked him. And you know what he still did, turning the other cheek, saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And from that very moment, he had already pre-decided what he was going to do. Because God's always ready. Jesus was always ready, always consistent. Jesus was always deciding to be devoted and to be generous to be faithful. And when Jesus decided to commit to, because he was in the garden right before, right before he was crucified, he asked, like he had doubts too. We're humans. Jesus still had that. Jesus was like, God, are you sure? Like, don't follow me for sure. I'm like, well, I'm going to paraphrase this. This is my version, but I'm literally like, yo, we still doing that? Because that's how I feel that it would, that he would be. Now, don't get me wrong. That would be painful to sit in that silence when God's called you to do something and then you don't get an answer because you know the answer is to follow out that, follow out that work. Jesus walked through that too, sat in that garden, asked that question, got no answer. I am sure that silence was deafening. Still chose to get up and go to the cross because Jesus was devoted, generous, faithful. And when he committed, he doesn't quit. Jesus is a finisher. Because we can follow the ultimate finisher. That's who Jesus is. So we can decide that when we pre-decide, when we commit, we don't quit. But it's okay. I know that people are going to quit. Why? Why? Quitting's is still an option. They're still allowed to do that. People are still allowed to quit on their jobs, their relationships, their church, their marriages. It's still an option for them. What we don't often see is that we say, like, you're going to see me struggle, but you're not going to see me quit. We don't always step into that place together. You guys have seen me struggle. I couldn't even get the words out about the Connect card this morning. I could have quit, kind of wanted to, but I didn't. My marriage several years ago, I couldn't even get to the table to sit with Derek about the marriage retreat that we were talking about. Literally, it was like, Aaron DeLong, do not make me. We could not see eye to eye. Our marriage was in such a rough spot there, and I was like, I will go to the marriage retreat, but we need to be part of it, not to be teaching anything of it. Why? Because I wanted to commit, not quit, because everything in me wanted to be like, that is it, I am done, everything. This year, I can say, guys, we did a marriage retreat. It was great. Derek and I talked about boundaries. It was amazing. We had a great time at the marriage retreat. Derek's probably back there like, I did not know she felt that way three years ago. No, he did. We couldn't even buy the snacks together for the marriage retreat. We were so mad at each other, we couldn't even do it. You know what we decided, though? When we commit, we don't quit. But we're both going to have to do the work. We have to take another step. And so, what happens when you just can't go on? Like you're like, I just can't. I've I've done it all and stuff. There's so many sports references you can look. I don't even always look these up, but you know those ones you see on the on the interwebs where it's like. Uh, uh the runners. Oh my gosh, these ones always get me. The runners. They are doing a marathon or a big relay or something, and their hamstring gives up on them. Sometimes they um, just get hyperextended. Sometimes they literally snap, and they can't finish, and you see them collapsing, and they're near the finish line and stuff. But there's one that just, it always gets me, and it's like a dad. He runs out, and he carries his son over the finish line. And you're like, oh, that's so beautiful. It makes me tear up and stuff. And it's like, no, because he didn't have to do it alone. And we don't have to do our life alone. That's not at all what we're called to do. Because as we run this race, we keep our eyes on Jesus. God keeps working on us, making us more and more like his son. We don't run it alone. He'll bring us our long-awaited reward. Philippians 3.14 reads, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So instead of walking away and quitting on God, what if we ran to him even in our doubts so we can finish? Even in your fears, your disappointments, when we cry out, that's okay, friends. It's okay to have that and cry out to God. Give it to him. If no one's ever told you that it's okay to be angry or to even say, like, God, I don't even understand right now. I don't trust you, but I'm going to choose to cling to you because I don't know. That is okay to do. In fact, God wants that because that's going to build that relationship with you and God. So it's okay to do that. Like I, like, I have these fears. I'm so disappointed. I'm downright angry this hasn't happened yet. But I'm clinging to you, and I'm not letting go. Because guess what, friends? You may see me struggle, but you're not going to see me quit. Why? Because we were disciples of Jesus. Because he is the ultimate finisher. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And again, he started it, and he will finish it. And sometimes you have to think like that runner, that you're not just going to properly, or you have to think like a runner, where they properly nourish, they take care of their bodies, they recover well, they sleep well, they build endurance, they endure the long runs, they go through some types of workouts, they lift heavy, or not as heavy, they stretch, they stretch they stretch. Sometimes they push through the pain. Sometimes they have sore muscles and legs. I couldn't walk for like four or five days after I did that marathon. My hips were so bad. It was so chaotic, but I was like, I finished. That's sometimes like what it's like running this race with God. Sometimes you're like, my hips are tight. I can barely squat to get down, but you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because I'm allowed to stretch. Because just like a Christian, we're working hard to strengthen our faith, to endure this, face, this race of faith. But you have to do that. You can only endure it by seeking him daily. Leaning into the word, discovering all that it has, what it reveals about God to you. We have to seek fellowship among other believers too so that we can be encouraged. That's that pat, like, hey friend, you got this. We can keep on going. And that also means that we have to embrace the trials along the way too. You might get the chafed armpit. You might have to slap some Vaseline in there and keep on going because that's what God's called you to do instead of quitting. And that's part of that personal discipline. And it's essential when we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. So what if we run that race that's set before us? What could that look like? It's so exciting because we can run with the hope that God wants to have for us with Christ. So for me, that's even like looking through how I how I run some of this through the Culture Playbook. Pastor Tim talked about it a little bit last week, and it talks about some of our beliefs and behaviors and outcomes I was really thinking about this, like God, how do I how do I do that with other believers? Oh, because I connect with them. Like, how do I how do I do these other things? Oh, because I, I do want to grow, I want to pursue the next level. I want to do these things with people and I want to help them find their purpose and stuff. That is always something that comes back to me. These are available over at the Connect Center. If you have questions, I'm always happy to talk about this. It's one of my favorite things that we that we talk about. But this is how it looks for me to run the race that's set before me and what that looks like. Cause when we commit we don't quit. I am a finisher. I know they got that soft music played now, but it's also like, you are too legit to quit. Because when you commit, you don't quit. You are a finisher. And so let's pray. Father, I've given my best to talk about when we want to give up. I pray that we would all be transformed by your living and active word. God, give us the courage to not give up. Help us and lead us as we walk a path with you and help us to reflect you best. Amen. But maybe you've been out there wondering where God's been or feeling like you just want to give up, like this stuff is not for me, this life is not for me. Maybe you're just sitting there like, well, I don't know what God's called me to do. Like she said that, like she had that, but I've never had that. Maybe you just don't know, that's okay. Maybe you know that there's something more for you and you just haven't spent some of that time discovering what that is but you know that he's called to you and now you know that it involves him and you're ready to know him. And if you are, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you are ready to know him and take that next step, would you just raise your hand? Thank you. I know that takes a lot. So for those who are ready and you're looking to have a relationship with Jesus, because this is just it, friends, you're just taking the next step. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all figured out. You're just taking that next step. But if you're looking to have a relationship with Jesus, then we're going to go ahead and pray a prayer. And everyone, I just asked that we don't pray alone, so I'm asking you to repeat after me. Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live for you and tell others about you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Woo! Now, biblically, this is super exciting because it says in the Bible, when one person decides to accept Jesus, all of heaven celebrates. So, y'all, can you just give, for anybody who said yes, that you celebrate with them too?
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved.